Well, good morning. Good morning. Hey, that was one of the nicest welcomes I think I've ever had here. Thank you so much for that. Um, like Ever said, my name is David Jacob Maldonado. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And again, I can't say, we can't say it enough. Welcome to the South Suburban Vineyard Church. Anybody who's watching us on our live stream or maybe catching us later on, uh, so glad that you decided to tune in with us this morning. Hey, I also want to give a special shout out to a special person, a special guest that we have here today, Alex Faison. She helped to lead. Yeah, go on. Come on. Let's give it up. Give her a warm SSB welcome. Like, like Alex says, she's from all the way from Davenport, Iowa, and we're so glad that you decided to join us this morning. She's also part of Vineyard Worship, which is amazing. So we kind of have like, I don't know, maybe a celebrity here with us today. Well, um, also like Everett said, we are coming to the end of a sermon series that we've been calling Empowered, and I'm excited about that, and I'm also actually really sad. Um, I don't know uh, about you, but I've just been really, really blessed by this sermon series. I know as, as, a, as a pastor, as a preacher, I'm not supposed to think about it this way, but I think this is maybe one of our best sermon series. I just, this is one of my favorites, honestly. I've just loved this sermon series. Uh, I've, I've loved it for a few reasons. First, I thought that every single installment was absolutely fantastic. Every single week, whoever was up here, they brought it. I loved how Pastor Gina opened up the series talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about how, who the Holy Spirit is and, and how he leads us to truth. Our good friend Renee Cunningham continued the series with a very powerful message about communing with God and listening, listening to the Holy Spirit. And then the brilliant Jordan Arsenault reminded us how important it is to listen to God for other people who are engaging in prophetic ministry. And our prayer ministry coordinator, Lauren Malkizzi, who is at home right now, hey Lauren, um, she gave an outstanding message on the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. I mean, spirit, I love spiritual gifts and she just killed it. She knocked it out of the park. She made it accessible for everybody. I loved, loved that sermon. And then the incredible Andrea Best so eloquently challenged us to have the right posture as we experience the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then Pastor Gino continued the series last week and he invited us to partner with the Holy Spirit in the ministry of reconciliation. Fantastic series every single week. You know, I've also really enjoyed the series because uh, maybe, maybe unlike ever, I don't think this has ever happened, but I don't know if you know this, but hundreds of vineyard churches, this is not an exaggeration, hundreds of vineyard churches around the country have been going through the exact same, very similar sermon series over the past several weeks. And that's really incredible. We didn't do it just as a gimmick. This was a, this was a coordinated national effort because we believe that this is a foundational, a foundational value of the vineyard. We believe that we have been empowered by God through the presence of the Holy Spirit to do the work that Jesus did, to continue the work that he started when he was here and to advance the kingdom of God. And so I hope this series has helped you as it's helped me. I hope that it has blessed you and encouraged you and maybe empowered you 
to continue the work of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit here on the earth. Well, I have the privilege uh, of, ex- uh, uh, I have the privilege this morning of talking about the very exciting, exciting topic of deliverance. Hey, okay, we got a couple woos, okay. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> okay, Miss Diane, I got you. So I say that halfway facetiously, halfway jokingly, because I realize that talking about deliverance can be a little weird, right? It can be a little taboo, and depending on the church background that you have, where you've come from, maybe demons and devils, they're only things that you read about in the Bible. And maybe you don't even read those in the Bible. You skip past those chapters because maybe that's not really relevant anymore. Others of you who hooted and hollered heard the word deliverance and, and you got excited, right? You cast out three demons on the way here and you're ready to get to work. <laughs> hey, look, I, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Don't point them out, but you can say amen if you know people like that. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. So listen, I realize that in a room as diverse as this, we could have very, very different ideas about what deliverance is, what it looks like, and why we should even be talking about it. And so this morning, I just wanna share a little bit about my story and have what I believe to be a very biblically grounded talk, discussion about the importance of deliverance. This is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is a ministry of the Holy Spirit, and I believe that every believer can take part in it. This isn't a discussion for people in some, you know, hidden offices or behind uh, uh, curtains or anything like that. This is for everybody. In the vineyard, we believe that everybody gets to play, right? And so my hope is that each one of us walks out here feeling empowered, empowered and equipped to push back against the kingdom of darkness and advance the kingdom of God through the ministry that we call deliverance. And I know that many of you have learned and experienced different things about this, some good, some bad, but I'm asking you to stick with me this morning. Can we do that? Can you stick with me for just a little bit? If you have any encouragement, if you've ever gone through this and this has just been a fantastic, part of your life, you've really been blessed by this, please stop me after service. I'd love, love to hear your stories. If you have any difficult questions and you're really struggling with this, please, I beg you to contact Pastor Gino. His email address is gino at South Suburban Vineyard. You can call the office, 708-960-4483. Did you guys write that down? No, seriously, I'd love to talk with you about it. Our pastoral staff would love to talk to you about it. This is a big deal, and we want to walk through this together. All right, so we're going to jump into this. You with me? All right, all right. So before we go any further, let me just just pray for our time this morning. Father in heaven, I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. I thank you that we we come here today, uh, not for no reason, we come here today because you are good and you want to give us good things. You want to set us free. You want to empower us. I thank you for the goodness and the, uh, of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will come. 
Holy Spirit, I know that with a message like this, the enemy will try to distract us, pull us away from your truth, do everything they can to try to limit what you want to do. And so God, I just ask that you would stand in the gap, that you would protect us from the enemy. Come Holy Spirit, we just trust in you. We wanna lean into your goodness this morning. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I keep mentioning this word deliverance. What am I talking about here? What is deliverance? So for the sake of our conversation today, I want to define deliverance as freedom from demonic oppression. Freedom from demonic oppression. Notice I didn't say possession. Though you might find that phrase, demon possession, in the English translations of our, of our modern Bibles, the original manuscripts, to the best of our knowledge, actually use the words, use the words demonized. And somebody who is who we might think of in the Bible as being demon-possessed, what the original writers describe them as demonized. And the examples that, of people who were demonized in the scriptures were so uh, heavily influenced and oppressed by demons that they were essentially controlled by them, right? Those are the clear cases, right? Those are the clear and obvious cases of people who might need deliverance ministry. The thing is that many of us, Many of us in this room are going to live our entire lives and never come across somebody who is demonized to the point where they are obviously like rolling around and exhibiting behavior that you might see in scriptures. So if the chances of us encountering someone like that, someone so heavily influenced by the enemy uh, is, is really small, why are we even talking about this? Well. I believe that deliverance isn't just for those extreme cases. I believe that any one of us can be influenced, harassed, or oppressed by demons, maybe in a way that other people can't see, maybe in a way that isn't obvious to everybody. Jesus was harassed by the devil when he was in the desert. One of Jesus' closest disciples, Peter, he was so influenced by Satan that Jesus actually had to say it out loud, get behind me, Satan, right? And, and, and we, the Bible doesn't seem to suggest that, that Peter was, was manifesting this demonic presence, right? But he was influenced by the enemy. I've been harassed and oppressed by demons, and I've gone through deliverance prayer. My beautiful, gorgeous, amazing, sweet, humble, generous, near-perfect, and I said near, but near-perfect wife, Jenny, if you don't know her, she's sitting right there, she's the most beautiful woman in the room here, she's gone through deliverance prayer. Any one of us can be harassed and oppressed by the enemy. So if deliverance isn't just for the extreme cases, and perhaps maybe more of us need it than we might think, I think it's important that we get down to some of the foundational aspects of this particular ministry. And maybe in my mind, the most foundational idea of this is that deliverance is all about freedom. 
Deliverance is all about freedom. If you need a, a, a message, a, a title for today's message, it's deliverance means freedom. Like that's it. That's what I want you to just square away in your mind right now. Deliverance is all about freedom. Jesus didn't come and engage in deliverance ministry to give evil spirits a platform or establish his authority. Jesus came to set people free. That's what he came to do. In Luke chapter 4, verse, uh, verses 17 and 18, it says this. It says, the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, Jesus, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now, there's certainly many ways that we can be oppressed, right? And there are definitely many ways that Jesus sets oppressed people free, but one of the most consistent ways that we actually see Jesus setting people free is through the work of deliverance. And so we engage in what we call deliverance ministry our, and, and our main goal is to help people get set free, get set free from demonic oppression or influence. It's so, it's so, it's so important to remember that. Listen, deliverance is not about your spiritual pro prowess in slaying the enemy. Deliverance is not about you. Deliverance is not about you. It's not even about the demonic forces themselves. Can't give too much power to the enemy. It's about helping people who have been hurt, who have been ravaged, harassed, abused, and manipulated by evil beings get set free. That's what it's about. And so every aspect of your prayers and all of your efforts when you're, when you're engaged in deliverance should be focused should not be focused on the evil spirits, but it should be focused on the person that you are praying for. Amen? It's about helping people get set free. We want to help people move away from the influence of evil spirits and move toward, toward the overwhelming, life-giving love of the Holy Spirit. That's what it's about. It's about moving toward God. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 3.17, he said, For the, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You want to be influenced by a spirit? You need to help people get influenced by the Holy Spirit. That's what it's all about. And so even as we talk this morning, I don't want to focus on the darkness of this. Instead, I want to focus on the Spirit of God. I want to focus on the light of God. And I want to focus how that light casts out the demonic. And for the sake of bringing people from the place of bondage to a place of freedom. Amen? All right, so for some of us, we're getting really amped up and we want to go hit the streets right now. And if, if that's you, you could just go ahead and slip out of your seat and God bless you. But for the rest of us, 
For the rest of us who may not think about deliverance and, and, and demons all that often, you know, we got to square some things away. And I realize that this might be a little uncomfortable for some of you. But listen, if we want to engage in the fullness of the uh, kingdom ministry and be empowered by the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we can't hide from the fact that demons are real and we need to acknowledge that. Demons are real and we need to acknowledge that. There wasn't some point in history where Satan and and all of his demons went away. They're not hiding behind somewhere or, or waiting for the right moment. They exist. They're in this world, and we need to acknowledge that. That doesn't mean that we need to live in fear or anxiety about it. It doesn't mean that we need to be obsessed about it. It doesn't mean that we need to attribute every bad thing to the Satan and his his demons. It doesn't mean that we need to find a demon under every rock. That's not what I'm saying. I want you to hear me clearly on that. That's not what I'm saying. But it does mean that we need to understand and operate with the mindset that there's another team on the field, as a great preacher once said. So I don't know if you realize this, but there are a surprising number of times in the Bible where we're told to remember that very thing. We are reminded that there is another team on the field. Jesus tells us in John 10.10 that the devil and his demons exist with the purpose to steal kill and destroy God's creation. And guess what? You and I are part of God's creation. And this wasn't a passing statement. Jesus regularly, regularly talked about the devil and demons. In John chapter 8, Jesus is having a back and forth with a group of people, uh, and, and people are calling him a false teacher. And at one point, Jesus goes so far, and this is an extreme thing that Jesus says, he goes so far to say that the, that the, the religious leaders of that day have been influenced by the devil. He calls them, he says, your father, Satan, your father, Satan, is influencing you. He didn't just pass, you know, just live his life as though demons were far away. He recognized and acknowledged that they were present. Jesus fully understood and operated as though there was another team on the field, and so did his disciples. The apostle Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, he says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Watch out. Have you ever heard of the armor of God? You've been around church for a little while. Maybe you have kids and they do some craft back there with the armor of God. Do you know why we need the armor of God? Paul tells us that the demonic influences and oppression are the reason why we need the armor of God. He says in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, he says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power Put on all of God's armor. Why? So we can look cool Christian, like cool spiritual Christians? No. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. 
For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Later on in verse 16, he says, in addition to all this, hold up the shield of faith to stop fiery arrows of the devil. The devil and his demons are not far away. They are around us, trying to hurt us, and we need to acknowledge that. And so there's different ways that we can respond to this. We can completely dismiss this as overblown, right? We can think that this is irrelevant for our current reality. Maybe that was a reality far, long time ago, but in in our lives today, come on. I mean, we're living all right, right? We could dismiss it, or we could live in fear and constantly inspect the shadows for anything that creaks and moves, constantly being anxious about how the devil might be trying to hurt us, or, or, as Paul suggests in Ephesians 6, we can equip ourselves to stand against the evil spirits that want to steal, kill, and destroy. And if we want to follow Jesus' example, guess which option we should choose? We're supposed to stand and fight. Stand and fight. You see, Jesus didn't just acknowledge the presence of the enemy. He worked to deliver people from the oppression of the enemy. And he did this all the time. It was a staple of his ministry. In other words, deliverance was a normal part of Jesus' ministry. He acknowledged that demons and Satan uh, were, were constantly trying to come against his people. And so the work of deliverance was a normal, regular part of his ministry. Look to, your, look to your neighbor and say, it was a normal part of Jesus' ministry. It was normal. It was normal. And that makes perfect sense to me, at least. Because this is what he came to do, Right? Right after he reads the scroll from the book of Isaiah, which you just read in Luke chapter 4, right? Uh, Jesus finds people were not okay with what he read. He, he leaves the synagogue and people were upset with him. He sort of gets through a little kerfuffle. He escapes. And then he travels to Capernaum, a town in Galilee. And listen to this. The very first miracle recorded of his time there was Jesus casting out a demon from a man. That was the very first thing that he did. After he, after he announced to the world, this is what I have come to do. Give sight to the blind, declare the, the, uh, the time of the Lord, is, uh, the favor of the Lord has come, right? The very first thing that he does, or at least that was recorded for us, is that he casts out a demon. And this happened over and over and over. This was like just any other Tuesday for Jesus. Deliverance was a normal part of Jesus' ministry. And he didn't hide it. He didn't try to sneak into a back room and try to, you know, take care of a situation out of sight. He did it every day. He also didn't overhype it. Someone was ravaged by the enemy. He didn't call them up front. 
get on a loud microphone and make a spectacle of it. He just took care of the problem as though he was healing someone who might have been blind. It was a normal, normal part of his ministry. And it wasn't just Jesus. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus is talking about the, uh, con- the continuing ministry of Jesus, uh, his continuing ministry of the believers, and he's talking about how people might recognize who his followers are going to be. And he sort of describes like, hey, when I'm gone, these, these sort of signs are going to accompany my disciples, and the very first miraculous sign that Jesus describes that will be a sign to other people that they are his followers is that they will be casting out demons. Not only was this a normal part of Jesus' ministry, but he said, hey, look, if you want to do what I do, this is just going to be normal to you. This is going to be part of the rhythm of ministry. And so Jesus' followers did that. They cast out demons during his ministry. The apostles cast out demons. And generation after generation after generation, Jesus' followers have been casting away demons and pushing back against the kingdom of darkness to bring freedom, to bring freedom to people who are oppressed, people who are harassed by the enemy. And I'm so grateful for the legacy of Jesus' followers over the years. You know, one of the things I love about the vineyard um, is that most of the pastors that I encounter, and let me, let me emphasize most, most of the pastors that I encounter in the vineyard treat deliverance as just sort of a normal part of ministry. They don't overhype it. It's not this weird, crazy thing. It's just a normal part of ministry. You know, one of the earliest memories I have as a kid growing up in the vineyard, this was the late 80s, early 90s, uh, was at some vineyard event. I think it was a, a, a healing conference, prophetic conference, who knows. It was, I think back then, people in the vineyard, they just gathered in a big, big room and they were just waiting for the Holy Spirit to do something. But one of my earliest memories is being at one of those events and it was, that, it was that period after service where the uh, kids' ministry was let out and ministry time was still going on. And if you were around the vineyard at that time, ministry time wasn't in a corner for 10 minutes. Ministry time was all over the room for a long time. It just kept going. And so I have this very, very clear picture of uh, me sitting next to my mom. And I can, if I, I don't even have to close my eyes. I could sort of see the room. And I remember so clearly that a person to my left, um, they were just crying. They were crying and the Holy Spirit was just bringing healing and freedom and something was happening over there. And then down toward the front of the uh, auditorium, someone was just outrageously laughing. And they were just, they could not stop themselves. They were just so immersed in the presence of the Holy Spirit that their, their only expression that they could handle was just laughter. And so they were just enjoying a moment with the Holy Spirit. And then over to the right side of the room, um, someone was getting delivered from something. And it was loud, and there was crying, and there was raised voices. And nobody seemed to be bothered by it. Nobody. 
everything that was happening in the room, whether it was the person who was crying and being healed of something, somebody uh, just immersed in laughter and the joy of the Holy Spirit, and then someone being set free from demonic oppression. Everything, everything in, in the room was just simply a response to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. God's kingdom is breaking through. The Holy Spirit is doing stuff, and all of it is normal. It's a normal part of the expression of the kingdom breaking through. It was so beautiful. And I'm so, so grateful for those experiences that I had as a kid because they sort of helped shape my uh, perspective on ministries like deliverance. Um, uh, for, the, for what I saw in rooms like that and for experiences that I had outside of a vineyard church. One such experience uh, happened when I was a junior, I think I was a junior or senior in high school and I'm glad that the youth are in the room with us today. Um, and I was, I was at a summertime youth retreat, it was a non-vineyard uh, uh, youth retreat somewhere, I don't know, where there's woods and cabins and stuff. Um, and our group was staying in this lodge, and it was actually multiple stories. It was this huge lodge. Our group was staying in one room with plywood bunk beds. If you've ever been to a Christian youth camp, you know what I'm talking about. Your back might start hurting as soon as I mention this, right? These plywood bunk beds, right? And there's, there's all these different rooms. Not only are there different rooms, but there's multiple stories, all right? So it's this huge, huge lodge. At the end of the night of uh, long activity, our group and our room were, uh, were just kind of taking it easy, winding down, talking a little bit, and I just sort of, I just felt the inkling, and I can't really explain it, but I just felt like I needed to go to this other room that was like across this big common area, and I just, I just got up and went, and in this room, uh, I think it was maybe more like a smaller meeting room, I opened the door, and on the floor is, uh, he, was, he was about 16 years old. He was maybe 120 pounds soaking wet. And that might be generous. I mean, the, he was a really small kid. And there were three football coach counselors and one senior in high school jacked football player holding this kid down. He was having a moment where he was absolutely overwhelmed by the enemy. And since this was normal, I just jump in. I didn't freak out. I just, okay, something's happening. I jump in the mix. I, I, don't, I try to hold him down, but I the other stronger guys were much better at it than me. And here we go. We try to try our very, very best um, to pray for this young man. Uh, we, we were doing everything we could. We were speaking the Bible over him. We were praying every deliverance prayer we knew. I'm not kidding you. One of the counselors like grabbed a cup of water and was trying to like baptize this kid while he's on the floor. It was just frantic. It was frantic. It was chaotic. And this is the moment where you need to remember that deliverance is not about the enemy. It's about that poor kid 
who was being ravaged. And we were trying to do everything that we could to bring him freedom. And I mean everything that we could. We're praying for a while. And he was able to calm down a little bit, but it did not, it was obvious that whatever was affecting him or oppressing him was not gone. And I just, I got up, um, I, I think I was maybe going to get somebody else to help or something like that. And I, I walked, yeah, I've told this story so many times that I, I get emotional every time I, I tell it. I walk into the common area and there are dozens of teenage boys linking arms, praying and worshiping together for this boy. They didn't know what was going on. They weren't in the room, but they knew something had to be done. And so they're worshiping and praying with counselors and everybody's supposed to be asleep. And it wasn't just a few people, it was dozens and multiple stories. I'm looking up at balconies of people linking arms worshiping and praying as hard as they could to help this boy find freedom. That's what this is about, right? And so we get this young man um, kind of calmed down and the best thing that we could do was hand him off to somebody else. And so a couple of the counselors, they drive him to a, um, uh, one of the camp directors' cabins or homes or whatever. And from what I understood from those trustworthy counselors is that as soon as he stood on that threshold of that home, he calmed down. Like, whatever was making him act out immediately stopped. And this one camp counselor, this older woman, after a time of prayer, was able to set this boy free. And you know, that, that story, it just, it gets me every time that I think about it. Um, and I just have so many questions. I imagine you have questions too. I still think about it. And I... Um, I feel like I learned a couple lessons that night. One of the clear lessons was that even though deliverance was a normal part of kingdom ministry, we should never, ever take it lightly. Never, ever take it lightly. Demons are real, and the pain that they cause is real. And what they're capable of doing is real. The bigger lesson that I learned that night, or at least that I was reminded of that night, is that spiritual authority matters. Spiritual authority matters. You know, what I didn't tell you um, about that story was that at one point, um, I, I just, it, it was just so obvious that what the people in the room were doing was just not gonna work. I mean, we kept trying and we kept trying, but it just wasn't going to work. 
And um, I just, it, it, it became obvious that somebody else needed to take the reins. And so I'm so very grateful that, that the camp director was there and she was able to take control of that situation. And as I've just thought about that experience now some 20-something years later, um, I, I've wrestled with this, and I feel like the Lord has taught me, uh, again, a few things. Uh, he's taught me that, that two things can be true at the same time. Two things can be true. And that is that all of Jesus' followers, all of us, have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to continue the ministry of Jesus, right? That's true. We have all been empowered to do that. The other thing that is also true is that our effectiveness in ministry is very often related to our level of connectedness to Jesus. Our effectiveness and deliverance or any other kind of ministry is related to our level of connectedness to Jesus. Listen, God is good, and he can do whatever he wants. He can work with the young or the old men, women, baby Christians, or, or even, you know, elderly sages. And, and the Bible tells us that our personal spiritual authority, our spiritual maturity carries a lot of weight. Both of those things can be true. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72 of his disciples to go and do kingdom ministry. 72. I mean, they're learning from Jesus. They've no, they don't have 2,000 years of, of biblical history to sort of to rely on. Send out two, 72 of his uh, disciples, and when they get back, they excitedly tell Jesus, they say, hey, even the demons, even the demons obey us when we use your name. As naive as these men and women were, they knew that all they had to do was drop Jesus' name and something was going to happen, right? That's all they had to do. And at the same time, this other thing can be true. In the book of James, chapter 5, the apostle James tells us that people who are sick should go to the elders of the church for prayer. He then says in verse 16 that the earnest prayers of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You see, both of these things can be true. You and I, you can add our names to the 72, and you and I, without maybe even knowing all that much, we haven't been fully equipped for years and years and years, we can go out to Jewel and go pray for somebody and try our best to deliver them from the oppression of the enemy. We can do that. The Bible says that we can do that. But I think the Bible also suggests, again, that our effectiveness in ministry is related to our connectedness to Jesus and spiritual maturity. Does that make sense? Now, I realize that we can camp out here and really expand and dig into this, uh, but I wanted to bring this up because I want you to know that as you engage in deliverance ministry and you work to push back against the kingdom of darkness, you likely won't have a 100% success rate. You likely won't have 100% success rate. Maybe it has to do with spiritual authority. I don't know, Jesus tells us that some demons aren't uh, cast out except through prayer and fasting. 
I don't know what the case may be, but in the vineyard, we believe in the now and the not yet, right? Lauren talked about this a few weeks ago. We believe that even though, we believe that uh, even though things might not happen, the things may not happen, it's our sacred, sacred commission for, from Jesus to contend for the breakthrough that Jesus talks about. It's our job to pray, and then to pray again, and to pray some more. That's what we're supposed to do. And at the end of it all, at the end of it all, we still may need to send the person to the proverbial camp director, right? We might do absolutely everything that we can and it doesn't work and we still might need to send them to somebody else. Or we may just need to take a step back, fast, pray, collect ourselves, and then pray some more. Or as I've done in the past, after, not, uh, after praying and not seeing any change, you just pray a prayer of blessing and you just trust. You just trust that God is gonna do what he's gonna do in his own time. Sometimes that's the only thing that we can do. I realize I'm out of time here, but Listen, worship team, you can make your way up. I know I just threw a whole lot at you. Deliverance is important. We don't have to overhype this. We don't have to make this weird. We also don't have to hide it. We also don't have to pretend that demons don't exist, and that's it. No, let's not talk about that. If we don't talk about it, maybe demons won't exist, right? If we bury our heads in the sand, we don't acknowledge it, maybe the problem will go away. I can guarantee you it's not. So what do we do? What do we do? We pray, and we pray, and then we pray some more. And we contend for the breakthrough of the kingdom of God because we're awesome? No. Because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the things that Jesus did so that people might be set free. And if that's interesting to you, I invite you to walk this journey with us. I can't think of a single person in this room who, who, who tell me that they've got it all right. I've got it all figured out. You know, there's so many different examples of how to do deliverance ministry. If you want to know how to take a few steps, how to pray for people, uh, come talk to me. We'd love to, I'd love to talk to you about it. In fact, I've got pages of notes here that I could just share with you on how to engage in ministry. But I just want to remind you this morning, as I wrap up this series, that you have been called to do the things that Jesus did. You don't have to be any weirder than Jesus, but you've been called to do the things that Jesus did. God, through his graciousness and generosity, has empowered you with the Holy Spirit. So why don't we try it? Why don't we try and go do the things that he did? And we need to do it together. Because I can promise you, you're going to get it wrong if you just do it by yourself. Let's do this together. 
Let's find the hope and freedom that we have in Christ. Let's share it with the people around us and let's see people get set free. Amen? Why don't you pray with me? Father in heaven, I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. God, I thank you that you are good. You want good things for us. I thank you that as there is an enemy that is prowling like a lion, there's an answer, and that is you. God, I thank you that we can rely on you for protection. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will come. I thank you that you're here, but I ask that you would come in a way that we can just absolutely know to the depths of our soul that you are here with us. I ask that you would bring freedom right now in Jesus' name. Where the enemy has had a foothold, where the enemy has tried to hurt and harass us, I ask that you bring freedom right now in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do. God, I also ask that you would give us the courage to respond to you. That when you call us into freedom, we accept that invitation. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you. In Jesus' name. Amen.